0: Father, we're here believing that you have things that you want to reveal about yourself. And ultimately, that's that's what this morning comes down to. And I guess, God, if we're just being honest, there's no, you don't get bonus points for showing up on Easter, because that's not how you are, it's not how you operate. You're here to faithfully, lovingly give all of yourself. Nothing we can do to earn it but you give so freely. And I, I just pray, God, we'd each receive. So would you um, open your word? Would you make your truth alive to us? I pray that it would set down deep in our hearts, and maybe even just where you're at, you might just ask God, God, would you show me something new? Would you reveal something new to me this morning? Would you show me something about yourself? We want to walk through this. We're receiving from you, we bless you, and we thank you. It's in your name. Amen. Um, How many of you... I'm going to take a straw poll here. So you're going to have to participate by raising your hand, which is always awkward. Jericho's already raising his hands, so that's good. Good job. Good job. Here's the question. How many of you have ever um, maybe gone to Home Depot, picked up a bunch of wood... Uh, or whatever, and you made something from scratch. You got a bunch of lumber, and then you built something from scratch. All right, ready? Raise your hand. Big high. Okay, so we have some woodworkers-ish in here. Okay, how many, how many of you, because some of you are like, I'm not sure if that counts. I just, I'm, I put two pickets together and called it a fence, so um, no. How many of you, how many, or anybody ever done any pottery in here? Start from scratch, so, you did, so yeah, raise it high. I want to see all the pottery people all right, because we're finding out who's artsy and who's not right now in the church. So you've, you've, you've taken a piece of clay and then you made something from scratch, you made something cool, and it maybe got displayed for a while until you decided that it didn't, didn't, didn't meet the, the standard of, you know, home decor, right? Um, we've done that. Now, how many of you have ever uh, run either a half marathon or a marathon? Yeah, that's what I don't know. Oh okay, yeah, no, right now, no, because no, we want to see who the crazy people are. Raise your hand. <laughs> Half marathon or marathon? Yeah? Yeah, see? We're pointing. There's people pointing like, that's the crazy person with the, with the, the excellent running all the time, right? Um, uh, most of us have, at some point in time, started something, uh, and then we went all the way to the end. And at the same time, all of us have started something and then we kind of fizzled or didn't finish, right? Um, we've all started projects that we saw to completion. Uh, and then we've all started projects that um, it didn't get done. Or it's, in fact, some of you are still thinking about that project in the garage that you're know, you going to do at some point in time, but it's just, it's not there yet. We've all been there. We've all done that. And we all know how much more satisfying it is when you actually finish something, right? Because some of you, maybe you're not artsy at all, but maybe you type A people. Uh, Your favorite thing is to write out a list and then check everything. How many of you have found incredible gratification from checking all the things off the list, okay? And those are the other crazy people in here, right? So you have the marathoners, and then you have the list checkers. All of you are crazy. It doesn't matter. But we all feel this sense of satisfaction of achieving the goal of starting something from nothing and getting all the way to the end and actually finishing. That is something that makes us kind of feel alive. In fact, speaking of, of uh, running, I was watching this interview. You've heard of uh, Usain Bolt. Usain, Usain Bolt, it's like fastest guy ever, sprinter for Jamaica, uh, and he just dominated the last two uh, Olympics. Uh, 100 meter dash, sprinter, fastest man in the world. And they were they're interviewing him, and he's talking about it. He says he goes, "Actually, I'm um, I'm 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 a bad starter. So I'm actually not very good at starting a race." But he said something happens at about he gets says about something happens at about twenty or thirty meters, and he said I start to pick up my legs. He says I lower my shoulders and I start to move, and he says he goes at fifty meters. I look and find out where I'm at. So at 50 meters, halfway through the race, he looks, and in fact, they're showing footage, and he's like looking over to the side, right? All the other spinners like, <laughs> you know, and he's like, hmm, what's going on around me, all right? So at 50 meters, because uh, as I approach, he goes, as I approach, he goes, I, I know at that moment, at 50 meters, if no one is around me, I've already won the race, because he says, the last 40 meters, nobody can beat me. Nobody can beat me. And he, here, here's what he says He goes, at 10 meters out, I look again because uh, I want to see if I can go ahead and let up in the race. Because here's what he says He says, 10 meters is three and a half strides, and you aren't catching me. It says, I'm actually horrible out of the gate, but by the end of the race, nobody's beating me. He says, actually, the start is not the important part. It's actually how you finish the race uh, that matters. In fact, have you ever heard you ever heard that quote? Right? It's not how you start; it's how you finish. You've heard that that quote before. The idea is, I, I mean, everybody can start something. We can kind of get something going. Most of you in here, you started a major in college and then it just didn't pan out, right? You started in one direction or you started in one career path or you started down one road and then it, it's, okay, it's, it's no problem to start things. It's an entirely different thing to finish something. Finishing is actually a big deal. In fact, how we finish something matters, How we finish something matters. And if you're with me, uh, you came in, you probably got a a bulletin. On the back of your bulletin is a set of notes if you want to follow along. If you like to do that, feel free. There's a pen, should be uh, there in your pew back. You can follow along with me. How we finish actually matters. Anybody can start anything, but finishing is what matters. The question is why? Why? Because how we finish Actually reveals how truly we hungry, how how truly hungry we are for the goal. See so anybody can start something, but finishing matters because what finishing does is it says, how intense, how hungry were you actually to attain the goal? How badly did you really want it? I mean, you can say all day long that whatever the project was was important to you. But if you weren't didn't have the drive to finish, then it kind of begins to expose how important the project actually was, how much it actually meant to you, how much it means to me. How we finish says a lot about our hunger, and it says a lot about the value for the thing that we're trying to accomplish. I've started tons. I've started lots of projects that fizzled out happened over and over and over again because the truth is is whatever i was trying it was only a half-hearted effort. We're in this series exploring the finish if you will of the life of Jesus. This is you know, we've been over the last few weeks exploring Jesus on the cross. And he s- says these he has these things that he says. He has seven final things that he actually utters on the cross. We're at the finish. We're at the end of the line, so to speak, of his life, and we're looking at it. And if you're not careful, you see all this amazing stuff that Jesus did all of his life, everything that he was doing, all the miracles that he performed, all the things that he taught. You see this thing, and then all of a sudden you see him hanging on a cross. And if you're not careful, it kind of looks like he fizzled at the end. It almost seems, just for a moment, like he didn't have what it took, that he was stuck there uh, on the cross and he, he didn't have it all together. You might think that. In fact, you, if you will, grab your Bible, turn to John chapter 19. He's going to make a statement that it might even feel like there's a little bit of a fizzle here at the end of his life. John chapter 19, I want you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, there's one there in your pew back. You can follow along with me if it's helpful for you. John chapter 19, we're going to start in verse 29. Jesus Christ, let me just set this up for you before we read. He's hanging on the cross. Uh, He's endured now hours of uh, being tried unjustly and uh, falsely accused and uh, whipped, beaten, pierced, hung on a cross, nails through his hands and through his feet. And uh, he is hanging there... uh, Uh, in shame for all the world to look at and make fun of. And here at this moment, verse 29, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, at first glance, it's easy to hear or see. When Jesus says, It is finished, you hear him saying, It's done. I'm done. I'm, it's over. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. But that, that's not what he's saying. In fact, there's a word to describe being done, that's not what he says. What he says is he actually, actually he, he doesn't use three words. He doesn't say, you know if, if you know, the Bible is written in English for us, but in uh, Judea, there was Hebrew and Aramaic, and this is what he's speaking in, and the New Testament is written in Greek. He didn't actually say three words. He said one word. He says, to die." That's what he says. That word doesn't mean done. What that word means is completed satisfied, accomplished. See, a guy who, those of you pottery people, an artisan would come together, he would start to put his piece together, he'd begin to make the jar, and when he finished the jar, he'd say, Tetelestai, completed, accomplished. A worker would go to his boss at the end of a day's work, and he'd look his boss in the eye, and he'd say, Tetelestai, I did it all fully and completely accomplished what you asked me to do. Wasn't a, uh, he wasn't using a word like, I'm, and I'm done with the activity. What he's saying is, what was supposed to have been done, I went and accomplished it. If, if there was a man that was indebted to another man and he had to work off his debt, he had to pay his debts, he'd come and as at the end of his time working, he'd come And as as he paid off his debt, he'd come before the master and he'd say, Tetelestai, completed it, totally paid, totally and completely paid. It indicated a freedom. I'm I'm not under, I'm not bound in this anymore. It's completed. In ancient times, if two warriors would come together and they fought each other like gladiators, that whenever the guy beat the other guy, you know what he would stand and say? To tell us Victory. I've accomplished it. I've finished. It was a word of victory. Here's the idea Jesus isn't saying that he's done with anything. When Jesus says to tell us what he's here to say is, it's completed. Everything that I was set to do, I satisfied. I built. It's victorious. It's free. It's paid. Completed. It's what he did when he's hanging there on the cross saying, I finished this work. It's been totally done. And then what we know is that at that moment, he bowed his head, he gave up his spirit. They pulled him down and he was dead. Now, I don't know if you can get your head, it's hard for me to do, to get my head around the idea that the God of the universe died. I I genuinely have a hard time wrapping my mind around the implications of just how vast and how gracious, how powerful, how life-giving the love of God is for God to die on a cross. And what God said when He came, the Son of God, God himself, one who put all the universe together, said it's completed, and he went into the grave. And then on this morning, about 2,000 years ago, he came out alive. No one has ever cheated death accept him. No one. So the question is this, what did he complete? Right? What was completed? If he's saying to Telestai, if he's saying not just I'm done, I'm finished, but what he's saying is, is it's completed, it's, it's been taken care of, then the question is this, what's been completed? What is it that's actually been finished? And the answer is this, making us alive. That's what he completed, is making us alive. You look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Look at what it says. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, trespass is a big Bible word to say, in our mess, in our brokenness, in our sin. Even when we were dead in our sin, look at what it says. God made us alive. How together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. So what he's saying, when he says it's completed, we become uniquely connected with Christ. We go into the grave with him. And when he comes out alive, what he says is, I've made you alive. What he Completed what He finished, what He accomplished. What was done in victory was He made us alive. See, God's actually very serious about life. Very, very serious about it because He's the author of it. God is actually the author. Nothing that's breathing in this moment, whether it's a tree or you and me or otherwise, that can do what it does apart from God speaking it into Count, speaking it into being. He's very serious about life because he's the author of all of it. And the problem is this, is that while he's the author of life, he stands in righteousness. And the problem is, is that each one of us are marked badly with brokenness called sin. It's not a super popular word to use in our culture today. but We have to be honest with you about it. There's a reason that Jesus hung on the cross, and it wasn't because he was a really good teacher, and truthfully, it wasn't because he did a bunch of miracles. Jesus hung on the cross because he said, I am God and I own all of life. And I'm coming to take it from the enemy and I'm coming to give it away. That's why he hung on the cross. He hung on the cross not because the Romans were jerks, not because the Because the religious authorities of the day didn't like him, he hung on a cross. Because you and I were radically stained with sin, and we could not reach him. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. Uh, Each one of us has a mortal wound. All right, if you've seen, have you seen, you've seen the movies where the hero uh, uh, gets the wound, and if something, uh, he's got a mortal wound, and if he isn't, uh, if he isn't healed, he's going to die. You've seen or you've read something like that before in a book where somebody sustains a mortal wound and if something doesn't change, you're going to die. That is who we are. That's where we're at. We all have this mortal wound in us called sin. Nobody can get away from it. And the truth is, is you can you can be in this room and say, I don't even believe in God. And you can feel the weight of the mortal wound that you have. We all feel it. Because we can't stand walking in this life, broken. We're always looking for something more. We always know that we wrestle in selfishness, trying to do our own thing our own way. We have this constant tendency to to do what we want to do. We feel it. We're We're all wounded. We have this mortal wound. And here comes the intersection. God, serious about life serious about life, the author of life, righteous, but we're mortally wounded with sin and it has separated us completely from the love of God. Separated us completely from who He is and here comes the intersection between a God who wants to give life and the fact that we don't have it. We're mortally wounded. We're about to die. In fact, the scripture would say this, because of our sin, the price of it is death. It's the simple answer. Because of our indifference towards God, our sin against him, we're separated. And here comes the intersection of our sin separating us from God and the power of a God who wants to give life intersecting on the cross. In that moment on the cross is where we see God wanting to give life, the author of life, looking to make us alive. The fact that every one of us is mortally wounded. And that's what's taking place in this moment. So that when we read this scripture, we see the weight of the battle that's going on. You have the author of life colliding into the sin that destroys, and it's all happening on the cross. He made us alive. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 uh, and 2, it says, You are dead in trespasses and sins. Dead. In which you once walked, following the course of this world. This means this this is for all people, for all time. It's all of us, every person in this room. Mark this way. Jump to verse four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He has loved us. If you've ever wondered, could God actually love me? It says, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead. He made us alive. By grace, you've been saved. And look, look at this. Verse six, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every one of us is marked. We all feel the weight of it. And here this morning, we have the opportunity to think and remember and celebrate the fact that God said, I don't like the fact that you're mortally wounded. I'm willing to do something about it. I so loved that while you were dead, I came to make you alive, to give you life, to give you hope, to change your destiny, to change everything, to change your eternity so rich in mercy, so loving, overcoming the mortal wound that we had. He made us alive, and then here's the beautiful thing. Jesus came out of the grave, and he took us with him. Love that scripture. John 10, 10, verse 10, says it this way. There's a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. There is an enemy who wants you to think you're not mortally wounded, essentially, that's how, that's how he does it in, in our culture, is you're okay, you're not that bad. Right? Maybe if you're, if you're sitting in this room and you hear me saying you're mortally wounded and you're going, I don't think I'm that bad, all right? Can I promise you that's the whisper of the enemy? And he's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can steal the truth away of believing that we're all mortally wounded, if he can make you think that I'm okay and... I make a decent salary and we're all right. My kid gets B's in school and, you know, made the varsity team and I have my awesome pottery projects or whatever it is that you got. (laughs) You know, I'm good. Church, please hear this. You're not good. I'm not good. But for God. And he... He doesn't make us good. He makes us like him. Raised up, raises us up with him, seated with him in heavenly places. (laughs) This is beyond like God fixing a small sin issue. This is Jesus coming and saying, Man, I love you so much. I'm giving my life. And by the way, sit on the throne with me. Come alive. I don't say alive to mean like breathing. I mean alive, victorious forever. Not just in an age to come, but now, here and now. You and I can have it and taste it. And that's what he's saying. There's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have... What does it say, church? Life. Y'all are bad readers. What does it say? Life. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, meaning this. Not just... Someday, but right here and right now, I'm the good shepherd. And guess what a good shepherd does? He lays down his life for his sheep. Why did the shepherd come? What Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus did not come to be a good teacher. Wasn't interested in being a good teacher or revolutionary, being kind with just some neat words, or making a few people that were sick well. Those are neat. Those are all great things. That wasn't the end game. The end game was giving life. Real abundant. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Come alive. Function in it. It's not a church concept. This is the God of the universe who created you. Your lungs bring in air because he tells them to. He says, I want you to have a life every day. He laid his life down. Sin's final result was death. Jesus' final result was life, making us alive. And so the question is this. If Jesus completed in making us alive, then how do we begin to live in it? Because that's really the question. A preacher can say, man. You can have all of life right here, but the question is, how do we begin to live in it? How do we walk in it? How do we begin to function in what Jesus completed on the cross through the grave and victoriously alive? How do we live in it? That's the question. The answer is first, God is here ready to give you a new start. He's ready to give. He gives a new start. You ever had... um, you ever, when you were playing when you were kids, uh, I, <clears throat> I remember playing basketball all the time when I was a kid, and we'd be playing, and you'd shoot the ball, and that one time awkwardly, the ball would get stuck between the backboard and the hoop. Remember that? And you didn't even know what to do about that, and you weren't smart enough to figure out jump ball or anything like that, right? And so you just, what do you say when, when, when the play messes up that way? You say, do over, do over. Especially if you have the ball. You're like, do over, that doesn't count. Do over. Anybody, you remember playing do over? Or like you were somehow playing some crazy version of tag, right? And something went wrong. And then you were like, I don't, and then you're fighting with each other. And somebody just says, do over, do over. That's what we, we, just, we always want to do over. We, 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 go, we go through life, something messes up. And all we want to just be able to say is do over. And in fact, I think we can all think of moments in our lives where we wish we could just go, do over. I just wish I could just say do over. I wish I could, I could go back to that thing. And it's, it's funny when it's a game of basketball and it's really painful when it's something broken in our lives and we look back on it and we're ashamed of it and it's wounded us in some way. And we just want to be able to go do over, do over. And what Jesus is saying here is I'll give you a do over. I make all things new. When Jesus says, I came alive, I came to make you alive, made us alive with him, brought us up, what he's saying is, I'll give you the do-over. I erased the brokenness of the past. Colossians 3, 9, put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. What he's saying is, is I'm giving you brand new clothes to put on, okay? Your Easter outfits are great today. I'm going to be honest with you, there's a better one. Put on the new self. Be alive. God is ready to make you new. He's making all things new. You want a fresh start? You need a do-over? God's saying right now, I got it for you. Do-over. Put on the new self. Can't do it on your own. It has to come through him. But I'll give you life. I give you the do-over. If you could just wipe the slate clean, just start over, what would you do? If you could wipe the slate clean completely, and there were no ramifications from your past or any of your brokenness, and everything was totally brand new. What would you do? How'd you live? This is what is offered in Christ. When he says, The mercies of God are new every morning. He's going to just give us a new start, He's also giving us a new purpose. Giving us a new purpose. New reality, new hopes, new dreams, new promises, new life. It is finished means a new view of the world around you. You see things differently. That all of a sudden you begin to see your life in a completely different trajectory. Because, let's be honest, showing up to work... Each and every day, just trying to get through so you can make it to the weekend is not the life you were meant to live. There's a new purpose that God has for you. Making us alive means we see everything through a completely different lens. Our job is different. Our marriage is different. Our children, we see raising our children differently. All of it shifts and changes. We have new purpose because... It's no longer about us. We have a new purpose. What I mean by that is this for those that are willing to say yes to what Jesus Christ did on the cross, in the grave, and coming out alive, if you're willing to pull that in and say, I need that and I want to make the exchange, for anybody that's willing to do that, here's what he does he guarantees the ending. Your, your ending is guaranteed. You can go through a whole bunch of ups and a whole bunch of downs. You can go through the rockiest terrain in this life. You can go through some of the darkest holes in this life that you can walk through. But here's what you get as a guarantee. The end is saved. The end is life. The end is wholeness. The end is perfection. The end is guaranteed. If you're in Christ, the end's guaranteed. That's what you get in him. Totally guaranteed. Let uh, me put it this way. Uh, you guys, you guys seen the new Marvel? A bunch of the Marvel movies that have come out: Spider-Man, uh, Thor, Hulk. All these people—they're great, right? You like the? I'm gonna tell you, everybody likes the new Marvel movies that have come out. You wanna know why? They like them because those heroes are a hot mess. They, literally, they, they have a whole movie dedicated to them fighting each other. All the superheroes, it's called Civil War. Is it Captain America, Civil War? Is that the one where they fight each other, all right? These guys don't have it together. They're a mess. They're fighting each other. They don't know, they don't, but you know what? You know what they do know? They know they got a purpose. They're going somewhere. And you know what we always love about the movie? They're always victorious in the end, right? They know they're gonna be victorious. They're superheroes. And they may go through a whole bunch of mess and ups and downs and disagreements and fighting with each other but here's what they've got guaranteed they're going to be victorious in the end if you could be victorious if you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt you were completely and utterly victorious everything about your life at the end of the at the day at the end of the age you look Jesus face to face he says victorious how would it change how we live No matter how dark the days get, no matter how many mountains we have to face, no matter how insurmountable it seems, no matter how painful the journey might be, our ending that we have in him is greater than any ending of any movie you've ever seen. Our end is secure. That's what he has for us. Hebrews 12 puts it this way. Puts it this way. Your purpose Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So run with endurance. Why? Looking to Jesus, meaning not looking to ourselves, because that feels broken. It is broken. He's the founder and he's the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy, now this is powerful. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now here's the guy with the eye on the prize who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus was willing to go through the cross so that he could come to this moment, resurrection, and give life away. There was the joy. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's what it's saying is, if Jesus was willing to keep his eye on the joy, the total prize at the end, then church, you and I are meant to as well. And we may go through what feels like what Jesus went through in his life. Some of the hardest stuff there is. We may see and experience really painful darkness in this life. But let me promise you, it is life-giving to remember it's secure. He's got you and he's gonna take you to the end. He's gonna take us to the end because Every day he's giving us new fuel. I like that word. He wants to give you and I new fuel for living each and every day. John chapter 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, this is verse 37. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water water. Here's what he's saying is, you can try to do this life on your own, on your own steam, and your own ability, with your own stuff, on your own talent, as if any of those things, by the way, are our own. They're all given. They're all gifts, but we can try to live that way. And what he's saying is, listen, I've got new fuel for you where you come to me every day and I give you life. I give you hope. I redirect your mind. When you feel like you're failing or you're falling short, I, re, I reorient your mind when you think you're not cutting it as a husband or you think that you're failing as an employee or as an employer or where you feel like uh, relationships are being torn and you don't know how to fix it all yourself, let me tell you, there's new fuel for life when you and I get before him. God has life to give and he says, listen, come to me, I have the answer. I'll speak life and truth. I'll I'll remind you of who you actually are. I will speak of what I've done in you and over you. I'll give you fuel. I'll give you energy. Whoever comes to me has rivers of living water. I like that about our name, New River. There's rivers of living water that every one of us has to tap into, live day in and day out. It's what he wants to offer to us. When you think, I can't go on, God has more. When you think, I can't forgive, God has more. You think, I don't have what it takes God has more. God has an endless source of whatever it is that you need. I Look, each and every one of you in the eye. Whatever it is that you need, God has more. He has more. He's made it available. And this is what it means for Jesus to make us alive. And here's the question. This is what we finish with. Are you willing to grab onto it? Are you willing to reach out and say, not me, but you? Not my life, but yours. Not my way, but your way. Are you willing to make that exchange? Because that's the thing that's offered. It's not just Christ out of the tomb. We come up with him. That's the call. We come with him. The only way that we do that is not by living a perfect life, but by asking him to give us his perfect life, to make us alive. Are you willing to make that fresh exchange? Will you pray with me? Father, we're just in this place and I'm asking, Lord, for two minutes worth of real honesty with you. You went to the cross at the intersection of all of our brokenness and all of the life that you wanted to give. You finished well. You completed so that we could be alive. That idea of being alive is not just a concept. It's something we can actually taste. It's something we can actually live in. It's something actually we can have and walk in. It's real. It's living. Every day we want life. If you're maybe here in this place and you've never made that exchange. You've never said, my life for yours. To cease the striving and to receive the life that he wants to give. If you've never done that, this is your moment to be able to say, God, I'm not going another day. I want to make that exchange. Now, if your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. But if you're here in this place and you've never made that exchange and you're ready, I'm ready to make that exchange. I want life. I don't want my way anymore. But if that's you and you find yourself here and you're ready, I can promise you I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to come down to the front or anything. But if you're in that place, you've never done that before, would you just slip your hand up and say, I'm ready to make that exchange for the first time. I want to know him. Thank you. You might find yourself here also. And you've trusted in Jesus, but... You know that your life isn't lined up with Him. Maybe you've been running a different direction or maybe you just feel like you've been trying to do some things on your own and you just feel like you've been falling short. And you're ready to accept again fresh life, new life, new hope, a new understanding of your purpose, just being able to walk with Him. You're saying, "I'm, I'm ready to make that fresh exchange again. I don't want sin and brokenness to rule over me, but I'm ready to come up, to have, to be seated with you. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm ready. I'm ready to make that exchange again. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. Father, I thank you that you have an endless source of life that you want to give. I thank you that you're moving in our hearts, and faithfully working on our behalf and showing us your truth. Pray, God, that you begin to shift something in us more today than even yesterday where we follow you and we trust you. We give our lives to you. We receive your life. Thank you, God, for these moments where we can remember all that you've done and all that you have to give. We bless you and we honor you. And we thank you for this time. We celebrate your resurrection power given to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.